Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Very special episode today. We have, as a co-host, guest co-host, Ms. Emily Peterson. Yay! And our very special guest is Mr. Drew Abner. Yes, half of the Fill My Heart podcast, him and his buddy, Parker Newman, of course, of Fill My Heart podcast fame. And Drew also has a show that's going to be happening this Friday, uh, March the 6th, as a matter of fact. Uh, Drew, will he hosts a show that takes place at Stab Comedy Theater every first Friday, and it's called Camp with Drew, and it is uh, funny people telling scary stories about an experience that happened to them. And on this Friday's show, it takes place at 9 p.m., at Stab Comedy Theater on Broadway. On Broadway. On Broadway. Uh, we have Amy Estes. Uh, Miriam Musavi. David Thorne. Dr. Buddy Blast. Dr. Buddy Love. Buddy Blast. You know who I'm talking about. Dr. Buddy Love. Uh, and someone who goes by the uh, Instagram handle... DJ name generator, and I thought that was really funny, and I was positive it was made up, but I looked up DJ name Terminator in Instagram, and it is actually a uh, a young lady named Bex. So, DJ name generator is uh, also on this show, and they have a very funny Instagram name. So, back to what I was talking about uh, the guest today. Oh, let me tell you what else is going on this week. Hey, this week, Thursday, March the fifth, eight p.m. Show-offs and telenovela back on Thursday Scramble, 8 o'clock. And then, you're not going to be tired of telenovela then. Then, on Saturday, March the 7th, at 8 p.m. at Luna's, it's the telenovela variety show with special guests, Alicia Davis, Tina San Lucas, and closing out the comedy portion of the show, Mr. Johnny Taylor. Yep, you heard that right. Alicia Davis, Tina San Lucas, Johnny Taylor, 8 o'clock, Luna's Telenovela Variety Show, Saturday, March the 7th. And then, when that's done, get on over to the Sacramento Comedy Spot for a live taping of the Comic Talk Podcast. And for that, our special guest is going to be Becky Lynn and Emma Haney. I am beside myself with excitement. I cannot wait for Saturday to get here. It's going to be a good weekend, folks. I hope you come out. But for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Comic Talk, the podcast with our guest, Mr. Drew Abner, our co-host, Emily Peterson, and our co-co-host, you'll hear her from time to time, Elsie, Emily's dog. She's a very sweet dog, and she makes a couple of appearances here and there. Okay? So, thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. Peace. Yeah, there's hopefully more. there's more, more, more. That's what I love. Uh, the stand-up 201 class at Comedy Spot. We were, me and Miriam were leaving, and uh, Becky Lynn was teaching it, and it was just her talking to three women. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, that's like that's good to see. It's just like it's three women comics that's taking awesome. this class. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. I wonder who it was. I mean, they're all new people. Uh-huh. They're, oh, okay. I don't think they even have names yet. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think we've allowed them to have a name yet. They're not, yeah, they're not. They don't have Instagrams yet. Oh yeah, man. blink blink the comic. Yeah, dude. Speaking of uh, camaraderie among comics, uh, did you and Parker know each other? Like, how did how did the how did the the bond grow? Because I want to I want to plant the seed that led to the uh, your podcast. Yeah, uh, th- me and Parker's first interaction is such a funny story that Parker doesn't remember, and like to this day, I feel pretty shitty about. <laughs> uh, we did a show. Parker was hosting at Comedy Spot, and I was like featuring. It was just like a thrown together show. I yeah, should not yeah. have been featuring. Uh, and uh, Parker did okay, but he was brand new. And then I did okay, and then the headliner did okay. And uh, Parker comes outside after the show, and I'm like just sitting there hanging out. And then he comes up, and he's like, hey, good set. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. But, you know, the crowd was kind of weird. I was like, don't worry about it, man. It was the crowd. And then he goes, what? Like, he thought that he had done amazing. And I basically told him, like, don't worry about it. It was the crowd's fault. And then he was like, what? And, like, I was like, ah, shit. Oh, I was that's like, so oh. funny. Yeah. And so that was, like, the first time we ever had met. And then, uh, because, like, I went through a, my first two years in comedy, like, I wasn't, like, I was considering myself, like, quote, unquote, hobbyist. Like, that was the shitty term I gave it. Okay. But then, like, the, the last two years, I've been, like, taking it, like, extremely seriously and wanting to do it for a living. So, but there was, like, a time period where I would just, like, not go to an open mic for, like, three months or something, you know? And, uh, one cut out, too. No, oh, that's oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. You, you I cut, cut everybody out, out yeah. when I did that. Man, yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're all good. I was just like, did I do something? Uh, no. Wow, that's weird. Let me see. Yeah. 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 Wow, Creepy. what if you do it? Yeah, yeah. No? No. Maybe you're like the master control. Okay. Yeah, that's well, that's uh, kind of fun. All yeah, right. that's cool. Now we know. Now Sorry. you can just bleep me whenever. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wasn't saying anything uh, important. He was just talking about Parker. Yeah. No. And so, like me. Uh, so yeah. So then Parker and I, you know, it took some convincing because Parker's very. Um, he has a lot of emphasis on like friendship. Like he he's always looking for someone to hang out with, which. I think everybody is in some way, shape, or form. But I had friends outside of comedy that I would rely on to hang out with. Right. So after a while, Parker was adding me to these group chats with like other people going like, hey, you guys want to hang out? Guys want to hang out? And I was like, no, not really. I don't really want to hang out with the comic because I was like a hobbyist at the time. Yeah. And then uh, one day I was like, yeah, fine. Well, let's hang out. And then like we hung out and like kind of kicked, hit it off. And like uh, me and Parker like quickly realized like we have a, a... like a weird interest in a lot of the same shit. Like we both, we both love Alex Jones, like in an ironic sense, like we don't believe any of the shit he says, but like we, we admire his performance a lot. Like, you know, Alex Jones is the conspiracy theorist guy and how he just like goes like ape shit. And like one, we always laugh about it is like, uh, in Alex Jones, uh, he had like a very public custody battle and like, it's one of the greatest things ever. In his custody battle, uh, he the judge asks him what grade his children are in, and he says that he can't remember because he had a big bowl of chili for lunch. <laughs> and it's like to this day, it's just me and Parker like constantly just laugh at shit like that. And like we realized early on that we have like you know a lot of weird interests and shit like that. And uh, you know we were we the original idea for Fill My Heart was a podcast called Tinfoil Hats where we were going to do basically what we do with Fill My Heart, 
but with conspiracy theories. Like we would both read up on a conspiracy theory and then talk about it on a podcast and make fun of it and, you know, like watch videos. And and then I Googled one day to see if the name had been taken, Tinfoil Hats, and it's a podcast out of LA and it's the exact same thing. Oh, and I, yeah. So we were like, fuck. And uh, then they actually like came to Punchline like a week later, like when we had no idea. Whoa. And uh, so we were like, shit. So you then, guys manifested that. Yeah, I know, right? It was wow. so it was so weird, and like, I don't think we would have that podcast would have been as fun as fill my heart. And then, uh, kind of the same thing. Like one day, I just like confided in Parker. I was like, dude, I'm so embarrassed by this. He's like, what is it? I'm like, I watch Doctor Phil on my <laughs> lunch break every single day, and he's like, dude, I fucking love Doctor Phil. I watch all the clips on YouTube and all this and that. And so, then like we we met up at a Starbucks and Elk Grove like to write jokes, and then we ended up. It just ended up devolving into us watching Dr. Phil together. And we just did the podcast to each other. Like, we just stopped the videos and make fun of them and just die laughing. And uh, then we we're like, oh, this is the podcast. Like, this is what we do. And so we approached Jesse and John at Stab and told them the idea. And then they were like, yeah, we'll do it for you guys. And uh, yeah, here we are a year later. Like, fucking. I was going to say, has it been a year? It's been a year. Yeah. We So our first episode came out December 28th of 2018. And, uh, I, like, I, I, I'm not even kidding or being, you know, uh, embellishing at all. It's the fucking best part of my week every single week. It's the coolest fucking thing. Me and Parker just have a fucking fun time. And it's, it's become like this weird historical record of our lives. And so like, if you like people bring up something where I'm like, oh shit, like, yeah, that did happen to me. Um, you know, and it's, it's. Like I had a coworker who was like, yeah, I listened to the podcast. I'm like, cool. And then he brought up like a story that I told a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. Like, and people will constantly remind us of like, hey, what you said about your breakup in episode 12. And I'm like, holy shit. I don't even remember saying that. And it's cool, man. It's a, it's a great time. And um, yeah, it's it's the coolest fucking thing. I love doing it. I've, I've taken the deep dive recently oh, did. into yeah. Fill My Heart. Yeah, I listened to the latest episode, and then I listened to the first eight. Yeah. Like, at work, like, just, <laughs> I totally binged you guys, and you're back and forth, and the irreverence, but it's so charming. Like Oh, that's cool. You, that's you good and Parker to together, um, the, that show is so neat. Thank you. Yeah, we, you know, it's... People like ask a lot, like, what do you guys like? What do you do for? Sh-? And we don't do anything. We could just go and bullshit. And like, I don't know if there's a weird chemistry that Parker and I have that I don't have. There's one episode. I love him to death. Benton. He's one of the best guests we've ever had. But Parker was sick and we had to tape an episode. So I was like, well, I'll just have Benton fill in. And the show just doesn't have any pop. Like there's no, there's like me and Benton have great chemistry in real life and we have great conversations, but there was just nothing there. Like we could Mm. not fucking make a laugh happen. And I was like, oh shit, like I couldn't do this without Parker. And I think that Parker probably couldn't, maybe he could find someone, but I don't know. Like (laughs) it feels like, it feels like we're both like integral parts of the show. Oh, we're big Parker Newman fans. Oh yeah. It's 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 ironic that, uh, yeah, Parker, probably comes up in every episode of comic talk really yeah, yeah we, i would say sev- at least 75 <laughs> at least 75 percent of the episode we'll tell of him that talk. he needs the self-esteem uh, boost yeah, <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for him to listen and realize it. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll notice uh yeah parker and i pitched a show to weird strange bizarre 
Oh, what show is it? Um, oh, wait, don't tell me. Don't, because if it doesn't get picked up, then someone's going to steal your idea. Well, no, I'm kidding. Go or ahead. me mentioning it will be like record of it being my idea. Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, there you go. Say okay. the date. Today's February 8th, 2020. Go ahead. Okay, so um, it's called 60 Minutes, the Comedy Show. Uh huh. Um, and uh, it's going to be three comics, and they each write sets for each other. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, and then, but the comic doesn't get their set until an hour before the show that somebody else wrote for them. Oh. And the audience um, gives them a characteristic an hour before the show. So they have to do it like in a character. Oh, okay. So um, it's going to be really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sounds. Yeah, but it's I gonna like be you guys really like. Fun. Let's take an idea and let's make it twice as hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stand up, but way harder. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really hard. Oh, and you gotta up. do it as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh fill my heart's great. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's we, you know, we fucking, we just have such a good time, and every time we leave. I just go like, that was the best episode ever. And then the next week, I'm like, that's the best episode <laughs> ever. And like, you know, we just keep growing it and keep moving it forward. And yeah, we're just having a great time with it. And, you know, it, it's grown to a point where it's it's very bizarre now because we have like fans. And like, that's doesn't make any fucking sense to yeah, us. Like, it's we're like, what? Crazy, like huh? no, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you don't like us. And they're like, no, I love you guys. Love the show. And we're like, no, 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 no. You don't like us. Like, please don't. <laughs> like, it's it's a lot of pressure. It it's becomes like a weird obligation thing, too. Where we, we love what we're doing, but also, like, we have to deliver these episodes to people. It's fucking insane. It's and, weird. And it's cool just watching the progression in the first eight episodes of uh, yeah. at, fir at first you guys are figuring it out. And then, but it's right away. It's, it's the back and forth is terrific. And then you see... You guys maturing into the roles and getting more comfortable and sharing more of your personalities and like what's actually going on with you too. Um, yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really sweet. I feel like it's a good example of male vulnerability <laughs> and uh, friendship. I think it's, yeah. there's a lot going on. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I I think that we kind of have aimed for that a bit, and you know, at first the idea for the podcast and. In all fairness, we've moved away from it a bit, but, you know, we we did try to make it a, with a little bit of emphasis on mental health. I mean, you know, a, m a month and a half before the first episode, I was like suicidal and, you know, not wanting to even fucking do anything. And, uh, and you know, we went through spells throughout the thing of like bad mental illness. And, um, and so like there it is kind of we do have moments of extreme vulnerability. I mean, episodes 30 through 40 pretty much Parker and I wanted to break each other's necks. Like we did not have a good relationship and we were going to the, the, the podcasting, you know, we, we recorded at stab comedy theater every week. And I mean, we were going, not having talked to each other since the last episode and oh, wow. having, having to pump out these episodes. And, um, it, it taught me a lot about relationships within comedy. Like you have to, and this is just my opinion, but you have to be able to, compartmentalize friendship from actual um like it, they're co-workers like comics have to be co-workers and you know there's some co-workers you're much closer with and friendlier with but at the same time like if one of your co-workers gets caught stealing you can't defend them you know what i mean and like there is this i think that like thrown under the bus is a term that gets thrown around in comedy kind of shittily because it's not what it is. Like everyone's trying to make a fucking small dream become a reality. 
And so when me and Parker were going through some shit, I realized I'm like, oh my God, like it's crazy to me that there might come a point in time where Parker has to fucking never speak to me again because of something I've said on the podcast or, you know, it, it, it kind of, it got in my head a lot. And, uh, so for like 30 through 40, I was kind of in this mode of like, how much longer is this podcast going to last? Because if Parker says something crazy or if I say something crazy or if we fucking end up hating each other, like I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, we made it through it, but it was a tense time for sure. Um, I don't think we've ever actually talked about it. Me and Parker, we kind of just, you know, we're men. We just brush it right under the rug. <laughs> don't talk about it. Talk about shit that happened in the past. But um, yeah, we're, we're thankful for every listen. Yeah. That's yeah. some heavy shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, we. That's I good. like to get deep. No, that's that's all right because, like you said, like we're men and we kind of brush it under, right? Oh but, yeah. Well, not me. I'm. I'm. A, he's he's I'm, a mess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I really liked what you had to say about like friendships and comedy, you know. Yeah. And I think that's something that kind of like Emily and I are like having to learn and deal with, and we're kind of like taking that in stride as well, you know. Were like, you guys friends before comedy? We started comedy. We were friends. Let's uh, go ahead. Uh, we we met in an improv 101 class gotcha. um, that I took with my very recent ex-boyfriend oh, gotcha. like at the time. Um, and uh, we, we broke up and decided to take improv together. It was really weird. Um, and Jesse was in that class and um, we finally hung out. We went to a concert together and after the class was over and he asked if I wanted to take another improv class. And I was like... I'd really rather just do stand-up comedy, but like I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy, but I'm kind of scared. Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like uh, it would be good to take a class, so we did it, and then we've been each other's like number one since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think if we hadn't have done the stand-up, like if 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 she just said no, I don't want to take an improv class, but not suggested let's take a stand-up class. Like I think we'd just like occasionally run into each other here and yeah. there. I don't. We definitely wouldn't be the the friends we are today. Yeah, that's had great. we not taken that stand up one on one class together and kind of like held each other up a few a bunch of times since then, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the improv one on one class was really my foray to the community. It like exposed me to the community. But Jesse had been involved in the comedy spot for several years. Like you've taken every. Class yeah, I'd taken spot. I'd taken like every improv class, and I I really wanted to be in improv because like. My whole love is Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Well, I love stand up too, but like John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, sure. Bill Murray. I, yeah. I made sure to say Bill Murray. Yeah, I love Bill Murray. <laughs> well, yeah, like, Emily loves Bill Murray. Yeah, um, Bill were Murray. my heroes. And uh, just growing up, and like I've always been a nerd. We talked about being nerds. Yeah. I, would, I would research all of these guys, and everything led back to ground lanes second city sure uh ucb absolutely and yeah. and then uh i googled improv sacramento and it's the first thing that came up and i took all those classes but i never i auditioned for harold twice and like and i and i didn't make it you know but at the same time i was like i don't know if i really want to commit to this and then stand-up came along and it was something that i was always terrified wanted to do but terrified yeah. of doing terrified and um i did it why you were know? you terrified uh, just th- th- that they're not going to laugh, that gotcha. that I'm going to make a fool of myself. This and exposure, it. just having people look at you. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was my big thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't want anybody to ever look at me. Yeah, I'm just, like, the, so that was always my apprehension with stand-up. So I've, I love, I've loved stand-up comedy since I can remember. Like, I, 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 when I was a kid, I remember being homesick from school and 
watching Comedy Central half hours from the time my parents left for work until they came home. And I was like, you know, I was faking sick, but I'd call my dad every 15 minutes and be like, dad, you're never going to believe what this guy just said on TV. And, I t- <laughs> and after like four or five phone calls, my dad's like, Drew, write them down. I can't, like, you can't keep fucking calling me at work. Like I have a job. And so uh, he made me write them down and I wrote down like the jokes. And then like when my dad got home, I like told him the jokes that the guy said and I would like set it up. I'd be like, okay, so like a couple minutes earlier, he said this and like, you know, now I look back and I realize I was like telling my dad callbacks and, you know, telling him taglines and like, and, um, but with comedy, like I, I fucking hate performing standup comedy. You do? Yeah. I hate it. I, I hate, I hate the performance of it. I love the joke writing and I love the, the work that goes into making standup work, but I do not like performing. I don't like being the center of attention. So do you think that's why you've had uh, the success with the uh, film my heart and now with camp grew because you're looking for other mediums for it a little bit. Yeah. I, so much? I think that I'm obsessed with, uh, I like stand up as a mold. I like the idea of stand up comedy, a person on stage. Emily's being attacked by her dog right now. That's why there's <laughs> occasional chuckles. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I love stand up as a mold and I love creating shit. I really do just like, like Emily was talking about weird, strange, bizarre. I have like a million fucking stand up show ideas going through my head at all times that like I would just love to do, uh-huh. but I just don't have the time to put the work in. And yeah. like, I'm actually like, you know, uh, I run another show called camp. Uh, that's a storytelling show. That's a yeah, great yeah, show. Yeah, Emily did it last we, night. We definitely wanted story. to get to that. that yeah, I know. I appreciate it. Yeah. Are we shifting there now? Yeah, no, no, no. We, we can, we can, no, we're go going ahead. at your pace. I was just going to say that, like, I'm eventually going to have to find a co-producer for that show because I just can't. Mm-hmm. Last night we left. It was a fucking great show, sold out show. I paid all the comp. Like, it was, it was everything I could have wanted for in a show. And I just left with, like, this exhaustion feeling. And in the car ride, uh, my girlfriend was like, you know, what's, like, you don't seem like, ha- like, what's going on? You don't seem, like, super happy. And I was like, it's just, like, it's just so much fucking work. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, like all the stress and everything it never well, it never so ends up being to worth make it. it a great show and yeah the snacks thank you i appreciate yeah. it yeah snack game those uh the s'mores were amazing thank you and yeah if you had like a sea salt brownie that yeah, was yeah. divine yeah those are str- and like ideally like i'd make all that shit you know what i mean like if 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 i had it my way and that's what i mean by like having a co-producer who could just like just bang out some fucking cookies once you know in a while, you know you know, you know what yeah. i'm thinking right now i'm thinking you need a, a sponsor like a That'd bakery, nice. yeah. That oh, that's that, not that's a bad just idea. Gonna, a, a bakery is going to provide the treats. Yeah, that's not a bad like idea. Like if you know somebody, or just somebody that that does it. Like there's lots of people that like mm-hmm. cook cupcakes on the side that have like a, a side hustle cupcake business. Yeah, that's a good so idea. I think I think uh, I think I hear you on the producing. Yeah, but I also yeah I also want to offer you the advice of outsourcing. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. The actually, the bakery stuff. I I like making the s'more stuff, and what I'll end up doing. Uh, it started out small, but then kind of over the last couple of shows, it kind of become like a staple. Is like the day of the show, I I Instagram story myself making the oh, s'mores. Okay, because it's funny. Because I'll just like go in and be like, I don't know, like I'm bad at it. I'm not good at cooking shit. I'm terrible at it. And so debatable. I'll just, well, I mean, the the <laughs> end product ends up being good, but like uh, like two shows ago, I forgot to put nonstick spray in the pan, <laughs> and then like that becomes its own storyline within the Instagram story where I'm like, well, this is gonna fucking suck, and then you know, then I'm like posting videos of my sister being like, you didn't put fucking nonstick spray. <laughs> this is a mess. I watched those. Yeah, I watched those. Yeah. Right. So then it it ends up kind of being its own thing, but like 
I I just enjoy the con- and so what I was gonna say is that like I have all, like a show idea that I've wanted to do forever. Two two different ideas is one I wanted to have a show called Hack Attack where I get comics and I give them um, premises that are kind of considered hack in comedy like. Uh, like you have to write ju- write five minutes about in laws. You write five minutes about <laughs> airplane food. You write five the five DMV. minutes the DMV. The difference between men and women. The difference between black and white people. Like do all these hack topics. Yeah. And try to have comics because I'm I'm. What I was saying about hating performance is I love I love the challenge of writing and that's what camp was based on was I I was sick of trying because at least how my brain works is when I'm writing a joke. I take something funny and try to write interesting around it. I'll yeah. usually start yeah. with something that I think is inherently funny and work my way around it. But what I like about camp is that I tell everybody on the show, I'm like, write interesting because we're comics. We'll fill in the jokes, but just take an interesting story that's happened to you and try to make the funny around it. And so it kind of flips it on its head. And that's kind of what the idea between, you know, uh, with hack attack is just like, Take something that you don't find funny and try to like that, like stand up fans find inherently unfunny and make that funny. And uh, the other one I want to do is a uh, called, you know, Emma, Emma Haney, one of my good friends has a show called Fresh Five. Yep. We, yeah. that, you know what? That's actually where I like first interacted with the both of you. Yeah. We did yeah, Fresh yeah. Five we together. did that a couple months ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I want to do a show called First Five where everyone takes their first five minutes and tries to rewrite those premises or rewrite those jokes in a way to make it actually like funny. Cause my first five was so fucking bad. My first five was like online dating. And yeah. Mine, yeah. mine was about like Chinese people at Disneyland. It was so oh fucking God. terrible. Oh, um, my first, first five from like when I was 20 years old was rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think everybody's is right. Oh, like that's, it's supposed to be bad. It was like eight years ago and it was about uh, like Walmart and like Asian labor and it was just yeah. no finesse. Oh, it, was, it was very topical too. Like you're, you're, uh, yeah. And I was 20 and I, yeah. it was. But do you have a joke in there that where you're like, I have one joke in my first five minutes where I'm like, Okay, I think that could still work. I think that if I rewrote I, that... I know I what I was trying to do. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to, uh, like, say uh, the difference between Walmart and Target and how it's, like, basically the same thing. Like, Target does things slightly better. Fun and premise. I kind of... Yeah, I kind of touched on it, but it was just so badly done. Right, that's exactly yeah, that's so exactly what done. I mean. Is like, I have one joke. Uh, the joke is about free the nipple. And <laughs> the joke was that if you made... Women having their breasts exposed legal, you'd have to make jerking off in public punishable by death. Like that was the joke, <laughs> and I'm still like, I think that that could work. Like, I'm like <laughs> I still have this weird fucking blind faith in it, where I'm like, not a bad premise. It was just way too fucking new to make that hysterical, you know? Yeah. And so that was kind of the idea behind first five was like let people, because how many people just go like, ooh, my first five minutes, how gross. But I yeah. think that people like might actually get something from me, you know? I'm I still doing my fun. first five minutes. Are you? No, I'm just... I was going to say, <laughs> you, just, you just repackage it every month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually has short-term memory loss. Yeah. So yeah. Every, every, every month, every five months. Check out this five. new joke. It's just like, yeah, that's We've great. heard it, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just found it in my notebook. I don't yeah. even remember writing it. Yeah, camp, camp is great. And I, I, I love... Yeah. I, always make, I always joke that... Uh, that Stab has these shows to give you homework. Yeah. Like Stab has like all point. these, these uh, premise shows. Yeah. But me doing uh, uh, your show 
like gave me the opportunity to tell a story that I knew there was something there with that story. Yeah. And then I took that story and I took it to Johnny Taylor's storytelling class and I worked on it for like another four weeks. So it was a really good, and, and it's uh, the iron, like I knew I wanted to take Johnny Taylor's storytelling class and I had an idea of the story that I wanted to do when I took that class. But then when I took your class, I settled on this completely different story and I, I had so much fun with it and it was really a good place for me to try it out. And you're in the dark. So you're yeah. like, like I they think can't I, see how terrified you are. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I think that like I try not to give myself too much credit because I didn't invent the show idea. I didn't do you know, storytelling's been around since the fucking beginning of time. But uh <laughs> But I like the one thing that I definitely am proud of is I accidentally stumbled into a great format because like the, be, being in the dark, you know, for if you've never been to the show, basically what we do is we turn off all the lights and then we have a flashlight attached to the microphone to create like this essence of like a campfire story. And uh, I accidentally made it so that like you can say whatever the fuck you want up there and yeah. the crowd, you don't see them really. They don't <laughs> see you really. It's like it's kind of this beautiful chance to talk about intimate shit and like we have had people like confess to crimes we've had people <laughs> you know and like it, it all I told feels the very most embarrassing story last night yeah your like, story was great it was yeah. so embarrassing that's like one of the most embarrassing stories yeah you're, it was I the have. the but we've all been there yes we've all we've fucked all up been man there, yeah. and that's and i love so i'm you know my roots in comedy are yes stand up but i'm a huge broadcast fan i love fucking radio I've listened to, like, I think, every single episode of Opie and Anthony that's on YouTube. Like, that was oh my, my shit. So I started working when I was 18 years old, working full-time. And I'd go on YouTube and just watch, listen to Opie and Anthony, old-ass Opie and Anthony episodes. And uh, they're fucking terrible. Like, they're so fucking mean. <laughs> and uh, they would bring people on. And Jim Norton, who and is now, like, one of my favorite comedians... He he would just like he would make me die laughing telling these fucking horrendously embarrassing stories about when he was a kid like trying to flirt with girls and like he never like he would say it with the embarrassment of like I can't believe I did this but he would tell the story in a way that allowed you to laugh in it and never feel bad for him and like I just I really grasped onto that and went like oh yeah this is possible like and it doesn't need to just be possible for me to tell embarrassing stories about me. But I think that like one thing that I try to do in stand up is like tell stories that might be embarrassing about my family that I can kind of use, you know, a, a little bit of finesse and a little bit of nuance to like make them endearing stories. And like I have a joke about my dad where it's about my dad railing against AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. But really the joke isn't that my dad is a bad person or that he disagrees with her. It's that my dad has kind of been brainwashed by his age. And yeah. like, you know, I, I like, have a dad like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of our parents, at least uh, a younger generation, like they, you know, there's a, what's that fucking saying? Like tough, tough men or tough people make easy times, easy times make easy people, easy people make tough times or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. like, uh, but like, I think our parents look at, I'm, I'm 24. I think my parents look at me as the result of easy times and then mm. like, I'm an easy person. And so then they're like, they go like happy holidays. Ugh! And you're like, you're not, you're not really mad about this. Like you're just saying shit. Like you don't really care about this. And, uh, but I think that there's a way to, to tell that story on stage where you're gonna like, my dad's a fucking Republican, where you can have a yeah. little bit of finesse with it. And like, 
that's what I try to do is I just, you know, that's, I guess that when people say like, what kind of comedy do you do? I think that's how I'd describe it. It's like, if I, if I had to give a name to it, it's like endearing things about how stupid I or people around me are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what I kind of shoot for, I guess. I, uh, in the, in the very beginning, uh, so I got, I have two stories about you that I, that I want to share with you. Cause I, 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 I watch all the comics and, and there's, there's things I admire about all of them. And, and then I think I'm eventually going to have them on the podcast. Cause like you see people out and everyone's busy mm-hmm. doing the thing, writing, getting ready for a show. And then I, like I cheat and I use my podcast as like my, my area. Like, all right, I got him cornered. I'm going to tell him a couple things I've always thought about him. Oh yeah. Okay. So my two, uh, two, two things about you is like very, very, very early. Uh, you told you, you have a joke with the premise that, I absolutely agree with where and and I kind of remember feeling the exact same way of you have a joke with the premise of that I'll never be as funny as a black kid in the seventh yeah. grade. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, and everyone like I could relate because I can remember like thinking I'm funny, like being like being yeah. in fifth or sixth grade and thinking I'm hilarious, I'm funny, and then just a black kid just ripping me Dude. in a capping contest and yeah. like. Like just like licking my wounds for like a week later. Like, did you hear what he said about my mom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I he think he doesn't that even know her. I always so remember so much th- charisma. <laughs> yeah, black kids in in public school specifically had a way of getting right to your fucking soul <laughs> in a roast where you'd just be like, "Fuck, that is so accurate and so hurtful and so perfect." Like, yeah. And the timing of it was always spot on. And like, yeah, yeah. that is like. I, in, in in high school, I went to high school with this with a bunch of people, obviously, but <laughs> there was there was these two kids. There was Ravon Hammond, the funny black guy, and then there was Robbie Robinson, the hilarious white guy. And they would get to just capping on each other, uh-huh. and it was just. You were like, wow. But then at the same time, you did not want to get in their crosshairs because they were eventually going to turn to the crowd and be like, what are you laughing at, Drew? You look like you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like I I was very fortunate because I went to school with a lot of very funny people. And uh, I ended up like becoming friends with like all of these different groups of funny people because like I would just try to like I think that like. I've always just been a, a student of funny. Uh, that yeah, sounds so no, fucking shitty I, and pretentious. No, but like, I really like anything funny you. I gravitate towards. And there was this uh, black kid named Nathan Rimmer. Uh, one of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever met. And he told me a story one day. I was It was like a Monday. And I was like, what's up, Nathan? How was your weekend? He's like, man, my weekend fucking sucked. I'm like, why? He's like, man, I, I got fucking caught smoking weed by my parents. I'm like, you got caught smoking weed? And he's like, sort of. He's all, they caught me high. I'm like, what happened? It's like, well, I went and smoked with my friend in his car. And then my de- my parents were like, hey, we ordered pizza. Come home. And then I went home and ate pizza. And my parents were like, are you high right now? And I was like, what the fuck? No, I'm not high right now. What are you talking about? And they're like, you're eating your pizza upside down. <laughs> he, was eating, he was eating his pizza with the toppings upside down. And like, I just remember like fucking falling out of my chair. Like that is the funniest fucking thing. And like, yeah. So like, I was so like, I, I remember that kid, Nathan, he, he never made fun of people really. He was just so, he used to, um, one of my favorite, like he would do bits. Like he would actually do like, yeah. like, like fucking alley G type bits where he would, uh, we had class, we had an ecology class together. It was like this bullshit fucking senior barely going to pass high school science class <laughs> and uh the teacher was a, just a, just had a stick up her ass like every single day mostly because she had to deal with you know the kids in the class and uh she'd like 
she'd say something on a slide where she'd be like, you know, like five, you know, 50,000 trees are cut down in the rainforest every day or something crazy like that. Right. And then we get like three slides in and Nathan would just shoot his hand up and she'd be like, what Nathan? And he's like, I heard a rumor that 50,000 trees get cut down in the rainforest every day. Is that true? (laughs) She'd be like, yeah, it was on three slides. He's like, no, no, no. I read it somewhere. (laughs) And then like, he would try to convince her that he didn't see it all. And it was just like, it would eat up so much fucking class time. And it was just the dumbest shit. And I just like, I take note of all that shit. And like, I, I think that like, I try to carry it with me and, uh, but I, I, I'm so happy that that joke resonates with people because like I get that comment all the time. It's like the black kids in my high school were the funniest fucking people they were. I've ever met. They were. Like it's so good. Like it's so, and I, I, I keep in contact with Nathan. Like he, he actually like tried to do like sketch comedy for a while and he was like shooting me stuff like, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I would give him notes and stuff. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but dude, just one of the funniest fucking people ever. Is, is he great. single? <laughs> uh i don't know I, I i think they maybe deleted his instagram or whatever I, I, I well, that's not a good sign yeah no you never want someone i think maybe he had a baby or something i don't know uh, but uh yeah, off the market um and then and so then my other my other drew yeah. moment is at um uh, when we when when every comic in sacramento was at kill tony mm. Yeah. And uh, everyone is like, oh, like, who are they going to pick? Who are they going to pick? And, like, I didn't sign up because there's no way I was going up there. Uh-huh. But I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, God, please let somebody good go up there that's going to make us look good. <laughs> please let somebody make us look good, right? And uh, they're all, Drew. And I was like, oh, I was so relieved because I knew you would oh, do good man, up there. I appreciate that. And uh, and I was like, oh, this guy's going to do good. And, and <laughs> well, that made one of us. Yeah. So how, how t- talk about that experience fucking crazy dude i mean it's it's when you start you know what fucked me up is i narcissistically went to the youtube page after they put the video up and like within like 12 hours of it being published they had like thirty-seven thousand views on youtube and you're like oh fuck like that's how many people have seen me and then like i went through the comments and like not a mean thing about me which was great but people were commenting on me and Uh i'm like dude that means that people are actually like watching my shit and like you know if if 10 of those people go and follow me on instagram or something and then you know they share my shit like you just kind of realize the magnitude of how quick shit travels in comedy and like that podcast is it is so influential like there's so many people that you're like you know there's people who come up to sacramento who are like i'm from la and i'm like I've seen this person on Kill Tony. I'm not going to tell them that I know them because Uh that's going to fucking inflate their ego like crazy. But I do know this person and I could probably tell you their jokes because, or at least what kind of style of comedy they're going to do because I've seen them on Kill Tony. It's so getting on that was fucking huge. Like it, it, it it was such a big moment for me and I'm, I'm so thankful that fucking chance had me in that bucket. But uh, yeah. And they genuinely liked you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You won them over, yeah, because because with everyone they start off real snarky with yeah. like what, and then and then you you won them over and, and you, you did so great on there. Yeah, I got to talk to Tony Hinchcliffe the next night and oh really? Yeah, and one thing that he said he was like, uh, in in more words basically that like when people are are bad it makes for a better show. And he's like, yeah, you kind of made it tough. Like we didn't really have anything to talk to you about. So like, that was a very nice compliment. And, uh, I think that that's very true for that show is like, if you suck dick, they fucking, that's what they're hoping. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. they hope you're bad. And yeah, like, but they, the, they want everyone to go up there and be Matt Medina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a great guy, but I yeah. had a rough night that night. <laughs> yeah. He did not, he did not yeah. succeed. Uh, but, but in, in 
everyone's defense who's ever done poorly on that show. Stand-up comedy is impossible to do in one minute. Like, yeah. the, you you can get an essence of somebody in a minute, but you can't get whether they're funny or not. And honestly, that's what I was telling myself after the show. I couldn't tell how well I did. And, like, when I think back to it, I probably did, like, 30 seconds of not great and then 30 seconds of well. But that's how my jokes are structured. Like, I, I do have big lulls up to punchlines. And, like, you know, maybe that's a bad habit. But that's what how I like telling jokes. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not built for that show whatsoever. But, um but that 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 is the saving grace of the show is that like yes they they love it when people do badly and yes this the format is set up to make people do badly like and that that's really why I think that show is so successful um yeah it, I'm I you know this is the kind of shit like I totally forget about and like yeah no that that is such a big fucking moment and I guess I could use that as a credit now I could just say like as seen on Kill Tony or whatever yeah episode but, uh, whatever yeah 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 anyway um but dude I, I mean I'm glad that you brought this up because like I was gonna say we you know we talked about doing Fresh Five together like um you guys' names were two people that I had like, like heard floating around like I'm I'm only four years in but I've kind of like not disassociated, but you know, I don't see everybody's sets anymore and shit. Uh-huh. And like you two were like people whose names I had heard floating around, like as funny people. And I was like, okay, cool. And then when we did fresh five together, Emma was like, oh yeah, they're funny. They're funny. And, uh, I was like, okay. And then when I saw you guys, I was like, oh shit, no, they're like actually funny people. And like, <laughs> uh, so just compliments to both of you guys. And I think that like, as funny as you guys are on stage, like one thing that is so fucking important to say and, I, I wish that more people were like this, but you guys are so fucking positive and so cool to like just talk to. And like, uh, you guys, you guys make me strive to be a better person in the scene because you guys like, there's just no, I never feel any like weird energy coming from you guys. It's always just positive, like energy. And I know that that sounds so fucking oh, hokey. You, you should hear us crystal the, shoppy, but you, you know, you should hear us in the Uber ride home, yeah, right? <laughs> which is totally, yeah, which yeah. is totally fine. Right. Like we, yeah. that's what the, that's what the ride home is for yeah. is going we, like, holy <laughs> shit. That person sucks at comedy. We get in yeah. the Uber. We're like, you're not a comic. Are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but no, you guys are so fucking cool. And like, you know, just everything that comes out of you guys and about you guys is so positive. No, no I, one, I no work really hard at trying to be positive. Yeah, yeah uh, and Jesse's a good role model for me because I'm actually a total cunt. But can I, you say cunt on this podcast? Yeah. You can say whatever you want. Okay, yeah. cunt uh, shit. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time being a real shitty person. I got that all out yeah. of me, like in my 20s and 30s. So yeah, yeah. Like now, now I'm like, oh, thank God I'm alive. Let me fucking be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm like, now I'm just an old guy trying to get into heaven. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, this is your redemption story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. your comeback be, trail. Let me be nice to a bunch of comics who hate themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that you know, uh, I when I started, nobody was cool to me. Like, uh-huh. I had to. I felt like I was constant, and maybe this is my fucking own in, inferiority complex. But I felt like I was having to prove myself to everybody. And so now, when new people start, I try to be nice to them. Uh-huh. But I'm a fucking dick. Like, I at the end <laughs> of the day, I'm just I'm a fucking asshole who likes to be mean and like in a in a loving way. I'll yeah. never be mean to somebody just for the sake of being mean. But excuse me, uh, if if there's any kind of rapport between us, I'm gonna bust your balls. Like that's just who I am. No, and it so keeps like us on our toes too. Yeah, yeah, and like fucking new comics. Like I can't imagine like how off-putting I am to new comics because they just walk up and they're like, oh, an open mic. And then I'm just like, look at this guy's fucking shirt. What a dick. Like you know, <laughs> and like how fucking in- intimidating that can probably be. Um, 
but you know, I try to like talk to new comics. I try to like, I hate when people ask me for advice because I'm still trying to figure shit out. Oh, sure. But if somebody does take it upon themselves to ask me for advice, I'll definitely give my two cents. Uh, but I think that like your guys's energy within the scene kind of, uh, you know, radiates and I'm like, Oh shit. Like Emily and, uh, Jesse are here. Like I need to be fucking, you know, on my shit and, uh, you know, take that energy and move forward with it. I, I, so just kudos to both of you. Like, oh, well, kudos to, kudos to, you. kudos to you for having shows that we want to go to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and same as like for, for Emma Haney and you just like, like, you know, that when she had us on warm take, warm takes, Fresh, yeah. five. Fresh, fresh five, fresh yeah. five, yeah. Fresh five, yeah. Fresh, warm takes is her other show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Warm takes is a yeah. fucking tough fucking show to do. Super oh, fun. Shit. I did that I'm like so when hard. I was super new. Was I'm doing super it like in two weeks. <laughs> I'm excited about. You it. end up yeah. you end up realizing like how fucking important writing is. <laughs> like that's that's <laughs> the, my only takeaway from warm takes is like, oh yeah, no writing is the most important part of this shit. Um, I was gonna ask because last night uh, Emily was on camp. And Jesse was there, and you got you brought up "Fill My Heart," and then like it felt like very uh, like an apprehensive compliment where you're like, "I like the show." <laughs> like <laughs> it was like, "I like the show," but uh, then you said, "I'm a libtard," and like, I'm a libtard. What like, is that like? So what what is your impression? It's like I know you're joking. Yeah. So I so I enjoy it, but part but you know part of me is like. I should be offended. I'm supposed to be offended, but you guys are so likable and I know you're joking. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's so, that's so what makes you like when you say you're supposed to be offended just by the language or Uh, content. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it's, it's great what you do, but you, you come out, you come out the gates hot, like with, uh, yeah. with, uh, how you talk about like the women on the show yeah, and stuff like that. And, um, but, I know you're joking and I know I know that you guys are going for and you're very clear in the beginning about how Dr. Phil can be sort of exploited exploitive yeah exploitive yeah exploitive but like you're looking for the funny and you're you're very you do a lot of disclaimers like that so I I feel comfortable laughing at it but um, yeah and then it's completely engrossing the show's engrossing because the content is engrossing and you and Parker together are so much fun to listen to uh but yeah parts of it are like offensive yeah i think that it's <laughs> it it's, can be offensive the reason i wanted clarification is because we've gotten so many like we've we get people like you that are like hey i'm as liberal as they come and i love the show and yeah i love the show and then we're like what's that mean and then we'll get people who are like hey look i'm a trump supporting red stater but i love the show and we're like what is our demographic because it's, like everybody like is like hey i'm this but i love your show and then we're like so what are we <laughs> like well, okay yeah the thing well, is that's great doctor right yeah it's yeah. not a complaint dr phil weird. is kind of, is trashy yeah like but it's like one of the most respectable trashy show of its kind you know yeah totally uh, like there's a lot of good stuff that goes on but you talk about it all the time like a real these issues should be solved in private way before right. they get to Dr. Phil. Right. Uh, so like that's just cringy inherently, but it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Uh, like I'm only eight episodes in, but I put your uh, show on the same tier as I put like, 
Big Mouth, where it's like oh. one of my favorite things that I'm not quite comfortable recommending to anybody. Yeah, which you shouldn't <laughs> like, which you shouldn't be. Like, we, me and Parker have talked about that. Is like, we're so worried about the growth of the show because like the more exposure we get, the more we open ourselves up to criticism. You may have not gotten to the episode. Yeah, you haven't yet. If you're only at eight, um, Parker and I had a live show, uh, and we were at Tower Cafe before. And there was these people sitting next to us. It was a, a woman and three men. And we could tell they were from out of town. And so as we were getting up to leave, I was like, hey, are you, it sounds like you guys are from out of town. Where are you guys from? And then the guys were like, we're from Kansas City, but she's from New York. And we're like, oh, well, if you guys aren't doing anything tonight, you know, we have a podcast that we tape uh, that's a, it's a Dr. Phil-based podcast where we make fun of episodes of Dr. Phil. We're recording at 10. If you guys want to come by, that'd be great. If you guys are looking for something to do. And they're like, yeah, no, definitely. So the lady shows up. And we're watching um, the uh, episode with Danielle Brajoli, the Cash Me Outside girl. Oh. But it's the second episode. So it's the follow-up episode. And the episode starts with a video of Danielle Brajoli and her mom on an airplane after the first Dr. Phil taping and they're flying back and uh, and Parker and like they get into a fight with the lady on the airplane. And so it's like this cell phone footage of Danielle and her mom fighting this lady on an airplane. And Parker goes, uh, <laughs> uh, wow, I'd rather have been on one of the 9-11 planes than this. And I was like, I'd be much more, and I said, I'd be much more afraid of Danielle Brajoli on my flight than a Muslim guy with a box cutter. That was it. And those were the only like references we made. And then there was some other joke. It was not a, it was not a rape joke at all, but like the word rape had been discussed and in a serious matter, we weren't like making a, you know, light of the situation. Uh, it was something completely unrelated to Dr. Phil. Like it was just at the top of the podcast. And so like, you know, we, we do have, like explicit language, um, but we never like we never like try to overtly make fun of terrible things, you know. Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes it happens, but like that's not we're not trying to be like edge lords or anything like that. So anyway, we have a great show. We're like fuck yeah, this show's great. Halfway through, I saw the lady get up and leave, but I was like, she probably got an early flight. She's flying back to New York tomorrow. And then I get home and I go on Instagram, and we've been tagged in a story where the lady is just lambasting us all over. Instagram about oh. how we're we're making fun of 9-11 oh, wow. and making fun of rape and all this and that and so I have like a very uh you know cordial back and forth with her where I'm like hey like I'm sorry you didn't enjoy the show um I hope that you got your money back or whatever I hope that you talked to Jesse and uh her, she like tries to berate me and she's like going in like I can't you think this is fun and I'm just like Comedy subjective. Like, that's what I always <laughs> fall back to. As I'm yeah. like, not everybody loves everything. I was like, you're not going to love every movie you see. That doesn't mean you need to yell about it. You know, that's kind of my attitude about shit. And uh, then, uh, you know, she calls us misogynist. She calls us, you know, rape apologists. She, you know, she goes in on us and whatever. If those are her uh, feelings, those are, I'm not going to invalidate her feelings. But then, like, we post, I, Parker was like freaking out. Parker's like, this is the end of, you know, Parker's <laughs> very doomsday. And I'm like, no, just let me deal with it. And uh, I posted on our Instagram, the exchange. And I, you know, I blocked everything else. So you can't tell who she is. Um, 
And then like all of the, it's probably our most commented on Instagram posts to this day. And everybody's in the comments like, I'm a woman and I love the show. I'm a this and I love the show. And like, it kind of falls into that same thing. What you were saying is like, I'm a libtard, but I love the show. And like me and Parker just have no fucking idea who we're catering towards. And like, like <laughs> people, not. people will be like, I love the show. And then we go on their profile and it's just like all fucking like borderline alt-right shit. And we're like, what are we doing, man? And then like the next person, it's just like some lady in Canada who listens with her fucking five-year-old. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what we're making at this point. Like, well, I, I, don't, I don't think a five-year-old should be listening. Not in a fucking. Yeah. We're going to cut it off with a five-year-old. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fucking fill my heart is it's my pride and joy. Like if I if I'm remembered for one thing for the rest of my life, I hope it's that fucking show. I love it. I love the progression like of every episode where like you come out the gates and then you start talking and you describe what the person is like. You get really roasty and then like every single episode, you're like, oh, now I feel bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like you think I've I learned. Like I know. Yeah. It's like every single time, it's like well, you yeah. come out and you're roasting them. It's like I hate this guy. Now I hate her. Yeah. Now I hate both of them. They're both terrible, but that guy is the worst. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that so that's why cute. the Doctor Phil show plays so well is that it, it becomes a fucking it's a soap opera every single episode Absolutely. it's like you hate this person then you love them and then you realize that they're kind of a neutral character the entire time and like that's really a you know a very a, a, a beautiful storyline is that there's always these anti-heroes where it's like this dude got kicked in the head by a horse and now he thinks he's Batman or something like yeah. that. And you just have to be like, yeah, he's mentally ill, but it's not being addressed. And like, they're not taking care of it in a, in a way that's productive. And, uh, so then like me and Parker are kind of tasked with like, how do we handle the situation? It's, it's fucking amazing. Like we're doing an episode tonight. Uh, I haven't watched any of the clips, so I might be completely mischaracterizing it. Parker made the plays for us, but it's a kid who thinks he's a cyborg. Neat. And I guarantee you that kid's just got some kind of personality disorder that is just never going to be addressed on the Dr. Phil show. I'm like, like half, yeah, I'm like halfway through a woman who thinks she's pregnant or a little, uh, mm, young lady who thinks she's yeah. pregnant with baby Jesus yeah. and then Eminem's, Eminem's her, her father. Yeah. And then like I'm listening and I'm listening. And I'm like, what's it like to be in this person's life? Totally. Like, is she lying or is she insane? Like, is she just a compulsive liar or yeah. is she insane? You're on it's, part one of that one? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Wild part two. two-parter, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, dude. Dr. Phil will fucking milk a two-parter if you yeah. can. Like, it's his favorite thing to do is make two-parter episodes because he will put something out, let the world react to it, and then uh. go like, well, now I'll see why people are so upset, so I'm going to redo it. And then, like, he'll just bring them back and exploit them one more time. And, like, me and my general feeling about Dr. Phil is that like, I think that he's become a symptom of the time where I think that he's genuinely someone who wanted to do good in his life, fell into fame, realized how fucking sweet money is. <laughs> and then now he's got these fucking 28 year old bookers who go, okay, so this guy made an Instagram video where his girlfriend's punching him in the face. So we decided to bring them both on the show, even though they have a restraining order pending. And you're just <laughs> like, why is this being publicized? Why is this being televised? And Dr. Phil's like, I mean, it's in my contract that I have to do these fucking shows. Yeah. And so then like, we actually did an episode a few weeks back that was from 2013. And you can see fucking passion in Dr. Phil, like where he actually genuinely cares about the people who are on stage. And you're like, man, like, where is that? Where is that emotion? He's like getting emotional talking to these people. And now you watch him. He's just all, 
Uh, we have Lil Billy on. He wants to be a SoundCloud rapper. Lil Billy, come on out here. Tell your mom why you smoke weed. And it's just like so, it's so bland and shitty. And like, uh, it, that's what, that's where I get like pissed off is I'm like, fucking do something you love, Dr. Phil. Well, he's jaded. Like yeah. you can't, you can't. He's desensitized. You can't yeah. put the genie back in the bottle. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Once the rabbit's out of the hole, it's hard to get that gopher back. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He just, he's a fucking hoot. And I think that the end goal, if I had to draw a perfect conclusion to fill my heart, it'd be Dr. Phil shotgun blasting both Parker and I in the chest and going, that's what you get for making fun of my accent. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I mean, that's really how this has to end is like. We can't have, like, the worst case scenario is Dr. Phil retiring. Like, we need Dr. Phil to fucking send us a cease and desist or something. Oh, like, my God. Like, that's the only way we get out of this alive, in my opinion. Like, uh, just because. <laughs> yeah, anything anything else seems anticlimactic. Like, we've, we've fucking ridiculed this man for uh, once a week for a year, and we're going to continue to do it until he makes a stop. <laughs> <laughs> so, is the, is the. St- you record once a week with an audience or once a month with an audience? Once a month with an audience. So we okay. do three episodes. Uh, we f- record them like Thursdays at five. And then we do um, a full uh, live show on uh, the, f- the second Saturday of every month. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. let's, let's, let, let's, let's, let's let you get going with your yeah, day. Dude. And, uh, uh, plug your shows. Yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, shows. First Friday every month for camp at Stab Comedy Theater. Uh, and then uh, second Saturday at 10 p.m. for Fill My Heart. Uh, I don't, like, people always go like, which one should I come to? I don't care. Like, I, <laughs> I have a great time doing both shows. I'd prefer you came to both of them if possible. Uh, but I think that people will have more fun just coming off the street at camp. I think that really, I think that that's the more fun show if you have no idea what's going on. I think that there's, like, an element of a live film, my heart that you should have some familiarity with the show. Those are tend to be the people who don't walk out. Okay. <laughs> people who are like, yeah. I've heard the show before. I'm, I right. know what I'm expecting. And another thing that, that I always give kudos to stab a comedy for is man, they have the best beer selection. Really? That's a good, that's a good, good. Yeah. yeah. They have a great, they've beer got selection. all the white claws. They have all the white claws. Yeah, <clears throat> I do. They bring in a lot. I don't drink beer, uh, like too often. So I can't, yeah, I know that they have a fucking huge rotation coming in. Yeah, I the thing I'll give yeah. Stab a lot of credit for. Uh, I I don't think Jesse or John will ever necessarily listen to this because they're both extremely busy people who don't even listen to Fill My Heart, uh, <laughs> the the podcast that they both tape. Uh, <laughs> but they fucking give you the chance to produce an idea without any pressure of ticket sales and it's the fucking coolest thing to me in sacramento there's a lot of great venues in this area but the one thing that i'm so proud to be mildly associated with stab with is that they fucking let you be you in every sense of the word and like it's like it'll be like a regular stand-up showcase followed by uh stephen ferris has the, the the tonight, tonight show show, yeah. show or something yeah. and it's like a fucking play written about the johnny and it's like how fucking obscure can you get, really? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. you can't fucking get any more meta than that. And uh, they're like, yeah, no, we'll welcome it with open arms. So, like, fucking, I love that place. I really do. It's like a second home to me. And uh, I, I, I love the shit that comes in and then moves to other places. I think that, I think it's great. I think yeah. it's a really great yeah. place. Well, hey, man, we, uh, we think we think you're great. And, ah, man, and I appreciate we it. We really, uh, thanks for coming by the podcast Dude, today. thanks for having me on. It's, yeah. it's a, I love talking to people about comedy. It's a one of my favorite things in the world so thanks for letting me do it into a microphone for sure man we'll yeah. see you around yeah right. have a see great day yeah. yeah thanks thanks man
Hey man, that's the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you laughed a little bit. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope you come back. Peace. Take care of one another.